This morning, we will read from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew in the New Testament. We've left Genesis and heading to Matthew. And we will read verses 1 through 30 of chapter 13, several parables of Jesus. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, 
This is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. And then we have a second parable, the parable of the weeds. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. It is wonderful to be with you this morning, and I am grateful to be alive and be with you. Uh, I just turned 50 years old uh, last week, and so I'm officially over the hill. Uh, 32 years ago, I gave my life to the Lord and embraced relationship with Jesus for the first time uh, on a mountainside in a snowstorm. And uh, just yesterday and the night before, uh, last night, spent the, mount, the time up on Mount Hood and did some snowshoeing and skiing in the snow. It's just beautiful. It's wonderful. It was a great, great, um, I think we're getting just a little ring. That's better. Yep. Thank you. Um, it was just a great way for me to remember the work that God began in my life as we were just reading and hearing this morning about the seeds that are sown for the kingdom as those seeds first took root in the soil of my soul over 30 years ago. I'm remembering now and thinking about that time. Uh, my name is Ray Keen. I serve as the executive director of the Canby Center, and I want to share, if we can click to that next slide, I want to just share with you a little bit about what we have been doing. Uh, last year, in 2021, we provided nearly 14,000 services to families in the Canby area. And as was shared just a little bit ago, that idea of whole life, pro-life, is a big part of what goes into what we do in our mission. In God's love, we renew dignity and inspire learning for youth and families. That renewing dignity component has to do with calling forth the dignity God has already placed in each person. And so these services, this might be a, a hot lunch one day, or it could be somebody coming through our food pantry. It could be a young child sitting down with a mentor or a tutor for after-school tutoring. 
one of these services might be somebody coming and receiving dental care or eyeglasses. So no matter what the service is, it's an opportunity for the renewal of dignity. We can click to that next slide. Uh, in the last year, uh, 801 donors gave to the Canby Center and provided over $800,000 so that we could do our work. And Bethany Church, for the last 13 years, has been a huge part of making sure that we can go forward and serve the community in this way. So thank you. Thank you for helping with that. We can do the next slide there. Uh, in 2021, we helped to redistribute 76,000 pounds of clothing. If you brought clothing to the Canby Center in 21, thank you for doing that. There's a little shed on site there right behind McDonald's. If you're in the drive through line, you'll see right where the Canby Center is. And there's a shed there. It's got a little door. You can drop bags of clothing off. Uh, people and organizations uh, brought 916,000 pounds of food to the Canby Center in the last year in 2021. And we were delighted to be able to share that with those who have needs in our community. We can do that next slide. And over 8,900 volunteer hours were given by over 400 volunteers. If you came and served, I just wanna say thank you for doing that. You really truly make a difference and you make up really the bulk of the services that are provided and the manpower that is provided. So thank you for being a big, big part of that. And we can flip to that next screen, Tony. Uh, we continue to need volunteers. Some of you here may know how to drive a van or a truck and you'd be able to pick up food or other objects, household items, things like that for us. We would love to have your help in that. Uh, there's lots of ways to be involved. Right now, we're also looking for some folks that we can train up as forklift operators. We have a certified trainer on site who can help with that. And if you've got a little time uh, once a week or so to drop in and help move uh, food for people who could use that food, we'd be glad to have your help. Also could use a couple more after-school tutors. These are just folks who would drop in and help a child with their reading or their math or their writing assignments and uh, easy to be involved with each of these things. You can simply go onto our website at thecanbycenter.org, and if you click on volunteer, you'll see a calendar, you'll see all the different shifts, and you'll find a way that you can be involved. And so we'd love to have you be involved with that. We can go to that next screen. So thank you for your help. Thank you for being a part of what the Canby Center does. Some of you know this, and some of you may not know this, but Bethany Church was really at the foundation of what the Canby Center has become. You were there in the very earliest days in helping us to get our start, along with four other churches in the community. And so I just have to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for continuing to be a part of that. And uh, I look forward to the years that the Lord has for us to serve the community together as we stretch out into the future. It truly is about serving the whole life of people in our, in our town. Tony, you can flip to that next screen. We're going to take a look at our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. This, uh, this parable, these parables, we'll cover a couple of them today. You know, Jesus used parables so he would tell these stories, these, these picture stories in a way uh, that the listener could almost see in their mind. And the best way I know to describe this, it's kind of like some teaching we receive is sort of that front door teaching. You know, somebody gently rings the doorbell and waits kindly at the front door, and, and then you let them into your home. 
parables of Jesus, the way he teaches here is almost like somebody who is coming through the side door and shows up in your kitchen with an armful of groceries that you didn't even know that you were hungry for. That is the way that Jesus uses these, these pictures, these stories. Parable comes from the Greek words para and balo, which together mean to throw alongside. And so in the parables, Jesus is throwing alongside truth we know, right alongside truth we haven't yet embraced or understood well. And that is what he's doing with these stories. They can be metaphor, simile, allegory, illustration. It makes use of figurative language here where Jesus is really helping us to grasp the truth and reinforce what he's teaching. And so this morning we heard read this parable of the sower, but you know, the question comes up and we read this just a minute ago as well. Why does Jesus teach the people in parables? Why is this happening? The disciples wanted to know in verse 10. In verse 11, Jesus describes why this is taking place. He says, you have received the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven, the secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. There were others there who were listening, the Pharisees and others who were hearing the same words in a sense, but they were not receiving or understanding them. The disciples, on the other hand, were getting truth. And the way that Jesus is bringing these teachings about are really intended to sort out and to separate out those who are the children of God from those who are the children of the evil one. And that is what Jesus is doing with this teaching. Look at, his, look at this verse that he quotes down here in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. This is the one time we'll turn to a different section. Isaiah chapter 6 is familiar to most of us. If you've listened to the word for very long, you've heard this before. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. You remember this passage? The angels were there, and they were calling, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. And it says that the, the posts and the thresholds of the temple shook and that the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, Woe to me, because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He's falling apart before God. Read down just a little bit further. And it says, The Lord says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Verse 8. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Verse 9, he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Here, in the context in Isaiah, he's talking about the people, the nation of Israel. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 has is, is just had these interactions in chapter 12 with the nation of Israel, with the religious leaders of the day. 
And they have heard the truth about the kingdom, but they have rejected it. And we, as we listen this morning, we need to understand that Jesus, as he's talking about these different soils, in a sense, that he's referencing and talking about, honestly, the soil of the human soul and the way that we receive the good news and how it takes root in our lives. Very, very important that we understand well. Do you know what it's like to to listen but not hear the truth that's being told or the question that's being asked? Now, I have children. Sometimes I'll ask them to take the garbage out or clean their room. And it is so easy for some things to just kind of, well, you know, I know they were in the room. I know they heard the words in a way, but it really didn't sink in to their behavior. Sometimes the Lord turns to a nation or the Lord turns to us as individuals and he says, Ray, it's time to sweep out a little bit of that sin in your life. And it can be easy for us, it can be easy for me to sort of not pay attention carefully to what the Lord is giving us to do or to hear. So it's important that we listen well. So in this parable of the sower then, says that a farmer went out to sow his seed, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. He's out there. He is scattering seed. He's throwing it out. He says that some of it, about a quarter of it, falls along the path, the path that had been hard packed, path that had been pressed down over time. And the seed almost kind of skips along the path until the birds of the air come and eat it up. And it's, it's important to understand there that as that is taking place, Jesus in his interpretation, he says that, that that seed as it is being consumed is really seed that represents, um, you know, the, the soul that has heard the message of the kingdom in one sense, but Satan comes along and consumes that message before It can take any root and be productive in any way. So very, very critical that we understand that there are some people who, for whom uh, they will sort of be tuning in. They may hear the gospel, but a distraction comes along. Even as they're tuning in, maybe they hear the message over the radio or something regarding the truth of who Jesus is, and then Another song comes along with a good beat and they've just turned their attention to something altogether different and they miss the message. They miss the message of the kingdom. Satan will use almost any circumstance that he can to distract people, to distract hearers and destruct the message. And Jesus says that there are others, there are other soil that, that receives or, or is the, the seed is scattered out among like a rocky place. They have a heart that is like rocky place. There may be a little bit of soil, but because the soil is so shallow, the plant never puts down roots, and their heart hears the good news and receives it with joy, but as soon as it costs them something, as soon as trouble or persecution comes because of the word of God, they fall away. It's worth noting that the first soil that we talked about, that first soil never really looks like a Christian. Because the seed never has anything, no, no root or no purchase in the soil. But here, there's a little bit taking place. This person could look like a Christ follower. 
but they're not. They are shallow and short-lived, and they produce nothing of value spiritually because they are dead spiritually. And I don't mean to be raising concerns or something, but sometimes, occasionally, you may be sitting in church next to somebody who is representative of this kind of soil. They have heard the word, but it has only taken a shallow purchase. The cost of following the word, the cost of following Jesus is too high for them. And they, uh, they may not be productive. Third soil person is the one who receives the seed, but the worries of this light life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out like weeds. Simple weeds. Worry, wealth. How simple those things are, but I fear that in America, wealth and worry have choked out millions of people from being productive for the kingdom of God. Millions. These are people who have heard the message, but they bear no fruit. There is no reproduction of other seed going out regarding the message about the kingdom of God. Their attention is drawn toward a bigger paycheck or the next car or a bigger house. For some, the worries of this life, the fear of COVID or fear of the next political pendulum swing captures their attention so much that they are unproductive with regard to the kingdom of God and the message of the king. They have heard the message, but there is no fruit of the Spirit growing out of their life. These folks can be somewhat comfortable in church, actually, as long as the teacher doesn't push too much with regard to control about their money. Who, whose money is it? And as long as you know, there isn't too much push to be moving and be productive in, with regard to sharing the light in this world. As long as they can stay a little bit in the darkness, they are happy to be in that place. But Jesus says that the fourth and final soil, about one quarter, 25% or so, is the one who hears the word, understands it. They hear because they're listening and they're giving attention to the message about the kingdom. They're giving attention and they understand it. They understand it in a way that's more than just mental assent. It gets into their practices and the way that their habits are formed and what they do with their time and the way that they spend their energy and their money. What we worship is those things that we give our attention to. What are you giving your attention to in these days? As we give our attention to the Lord, as we give our attention to the message of the kingdom, it will be fruitful in our lives. It will produce 60, 30, 100 fold. It has a way of doing that. And so Jesus says, anyone who has ears, let them hear. Those who are willing to hear that those in the kingdom, those who have received the seed of the message, the good news of the gospel, they will be reproductive. Jesus is going back to the beginning with this word picture in many ways. He's, he's kind of reaching back to Genesis. You remember back in Genesis, Adam, it's the way we would talk about him, man was formed from the dust of the ground. We are the dust. We are the soil. 
The word there for man is Adam. It's also put alongside the word for ground, which is Adama in the Hebrew. Man was taken from the ground. We are the soil. And in many ways, as we come along to Matthew 13 here, he's talking about the soil of the human soul. When we receive the message about the kingdom, it is intended to be fruitful and productive. That is who God is. When we think back to Genesis, God is fruitful and productive. He is creating things that are reproducing. He's creating plants with seeds in them that grow and produce other plants with seeds in them. He's encouraging the fish of the sea to be fruitful and productive and multiply. God is a multiplier. He is a reproducer. And when it comes to spirituality, our spiritual condition, the condition of our souls, the expectation there is that we will be fruitful fruitful and productive with regard to the message of the kingdom. That is what we are called to. And just closing up our time, I want to look at one more passage here. Look at verse 24, the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The analogy here is seed once again. It's an agricultural parable, but this is a different sort of framework, a different context. And so he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied, and the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, and he said, they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. This is verse 36. And Jesus tells it this way. He says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the son's of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The parable of the weeds here is simply saying that there are two kinds of people in this world, children of the evil one and children of God. Children of the evil one will spend eternity with their father, and children of God will spend eternity with their father. Father in heaven. Now, our temptation as Christ followers 
is to want to put our energy and our effort into pulling up the weeds. But that is not the work of the kingdom. Ours is to grow and reproduce wheat, to reproduce spiritually the message of the kingdom in the lives of other people, to take that good news, to share it with others, to make disciples, Jesus said. That is our work as those who carry the message of the kingdom. We're not to spend our energy in pulling up the wheat. So when you think about that, and you think about that in our current day and age, I see a lot of Christians who spend a ton of energy on trying to pull up weeds. Nothing wrong with voting properly, nothing wrong with speaking your mind regarding what's happening in our community or our nation. But if all of your energy is going into that, and there are very little amount of energy in going into being spiritually reproductive, that is sharing your faith through your words and your actions, then I would question whether you are wheat or a weed. In the parables we've been reading this morning, the one who is reproductive is the one who has received the word and is reproducing it in the lives of those around them. And so it's interesting in this passage, in this parable, that Jesus says at the end of the age, these things will take place. There's going to be a sorting out of the children of God from the children of the evil one. It's interesting to note that there's no middle option here. There is no middle ground. A couple of fast facts about hell. Everyone will exist eternally either in heaven or in hell. Scripture tells us this in Daniel 12, Matthew 25, John 5, and Revelation 20. That is it. There's two places. Everyone will have only one life in which to determine their destiny. It's appointed to man to die once, and then comes the judgment. We have one opportunity. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 speaks to this. Heaven or hell is determined by whether a person puts their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. Fairly simple. Christ died for our sins on the cross, and he makes available a way of coming into relationship with him and being fruitful. But for those who reject him, there will be punishment. Hell was originally designed for Satan and his demons. Hell will also punish the sin of those who reject Christ. Matthew 13, Revelation 20 covers that ground, Revelation 21 as well. And hell, it's important for us to understand, is conscious torment. Matthew 13, 50, here in our chapter, talks about it as a furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9 says that's a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Revelation 14 says that there will be torment with fire and brimstone. And hell is eternal and irreversible says that the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. Revelation 20, verse 14 says, this is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These are realities we can't ignore. If you're a Christ follower this morning and you have not been spiritually reproductive with your faith, you have to understand there are people dying around you. 
who will face an eternity separated from God in hell. Sharing the good news that we've received is what we're called to do. If you could give us that next slide, Tony, I want to just share a couple of things on the screen. I know these are kind of small to see, but hopefully you can see them. It's important to understand that the kingdom of this world is really a kingdom that focuses on lies, where the kingdom of God is a place of truth, getting down to the essence of what things are. Kingdom of this world is about wickedness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. Kingdom of this world is wrapped up in anxiety and fear, but the kingdom of God is about peace and joy. The kingdom of this world is about me first. The kingdom of God is God first. The kingdom of this world is wrapped up in despair and hatred. The kingdom of God is about hope and love. The kingdom of this world focuses in on sin and what we want. The kingdom of God begins with forgiveness. The kingdom of this world gravitates toward tribalism, a separation, a a, a pushing away from each other, whether that's based on race or other things. The kingdom of God is about unity. The kingdom of this world is influenced by Satan. The kingdom of God is underneath the reign of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The kingdom of this world is all about illusion, promising things that it never pays off on. The kingdom of God is about power. The kingdom of this world is about greed, but the kingdom of God is about treasure in heaven for eternity. The kingdom of this world is wrapped up in a confusing purposelessness. The kingdom of God is about mission, the greatest mission ever given to mankind. Go, tell the story, share the good news, forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of this world is headed toward eternal death, hell, for those who reject Christ the kingdom of God is eternal life with him, eternal relationship with him. So, so important to understand that if you're here today and you're not sure about what kingdom you're in, if you're here today and you're, you're processing through and trying to understand whether you're a wheat or a weed, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wrestle with that in confusion. John speaks to us in the book of 1 John, and he says that he who has the Son of God has life. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. He who does not have the Son of God, John said, does not have life. So the simple question is, do you have the Son of God? Are you in relationship with Jesus? Do you know that he's forgiven your sins? And John goes on to say that I've written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. And as you know, and as you experience that with great joy and peace in the things that we've talked about, you won't be able to contain that message. You need to share it with others, and you will share it with others. Let me encourage you to be sharers of the word to pass on to others the things that God has given to you, to delight 
in taking up this message and like one who gathers seed and scatters it out into the field. It's important that you recognize that there are some who will reject it. That's true. But there are others who will receive it and be spiritually reproductive with it. I know you guys are preparing now for the Vine Project, and you've been doing good work in getting ready for that. Let me tell you, I think this is the most essential work that you can do in this season as a church. That as you get involved in understanding what your place is with regard to the good news, God will make it useful in our community in ways that are lasting for eternity. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on that. There is no middle ground between those two lists that we just looked at. Folks who sort of find the gray space in between are simply living in illusion, and they're living in the kingdom of this world instead of living for the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it would be fruitful and productive in the hearts and minds of the men and women here. Would you cause it to be uh, fruitful for your purposes, that your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control would be the sort of things that permeate this church, that they permeate our community through this church. In Jesus' name. Amen.